This episode is brought to you by Pronamel. Not all our favorite foods and drinks are BFFs with our teeth. Salad dressing, seltzers, and fruits can be enamel enemies. So if you eat or drink those things regularly, your enamel could be at risk. And once it's gone, it's gone. Pronamel Intensive Enamel Repair penetrates deep into the enamel surface, locking in vital minerals to repair acid-weakened enamel. And with new Pronamel Repair mouthwash, you can enhance that repair beyond just brushing. Pronamel is the number one dentist-recommended brand for acid erosion, so buy Pronamel Repair anywhere you buy toothpaste or mouthwash. Visit Pronamel.com. Let's hit it! Give me a vacation! Vacation! Give me a wave! Surfing! Give me a city tour! The trolley! Give me animals! The zoo! Give me some sea life! <laughs> Give me museums! Park. Give me a woo! What's that spell? San Diego! If you're happy and you know it, San Diego is the place to show it. Book your family vacation at san diego.org. Funded in part with the City of San Diego Tourism Marketing District Assessment Funds. The Kakadu Plum is an Australian native superfood containing 100 times more vitamin C than oranges. So why have you never heard of it? PR. No one's drinking a Kakadu smoothie? I'm J.B. Smoove, and that was a full episode of my new podcast, Straightforward. Inspired by guaranteed straightforward pricing from AT&T Fiber. Get what you want without the complicated. AT&T Fiber, live like a gigillionaire. Available wherever you get your podcast. Limited availability in select areas. Visit at slash hypergig for details. Me. Focus Features presents Back to Black. I want people to hear my voice and just forget their troubles. Experience the music and her story. Know this. I ain't no spy girl. Like never before. That's my daughter. That's my Amy. On the big screen. I want to be remembered. For just being me. Amy Winehouse. Back to Black. Directed by Sam Taylor Johnson. Rated R. Under 17. Not a minute without parent. Only in theaters May 17th. Hello and welcome to Saver, a production of iHeartRadio and Stuff Media. I'm Annie Reese. And I'm Lauren Vogelbaum. And today we're talking about pizza. Yes, you heard that correctly. <laughs> this is a very exciting day. It is. This one is, yes, a long time coming. And it goes out to listener Bob. Yes. Yes, who once sent us pizza. Yeah, from China. He, I mean, the pizzas weren't from China. Yeah, I believe that, <laughs> he was in China at the time. Yes, and somehow got us pizzas delivered. And everyone in the office, we were the coolest people for a solid couple of hours. Oh yeah, yeah, because everyone was just like, "Why are there pizzas?" And we were like, "A listener sent them," and they were like, "Whoa!" And we just nodded, we did knowingly. Mm-hmm. <laughs> mm-hmm. Um, and this also is kind of timely because as we record this. Independence Day, the 4th of July in the United States is coming up, and pizza is pretty murka thing. I mean, it's it's a many places like it. Oh, yeah. Um, we get very excited about it. Yeah. Yes. I don't think it's really a 4th of July food. Oh, I think you can make anything a 4th of July <laughs> food. <laughs> that is a tangent for a different okay. day. Okay. All right. But Separate I have you. done it. Um <laughs> I feel like we've talked about this before, but when it comes to pizza preferences, I like a thin crust margarita. That's my favorite. That that would be my favorite as well. I do like I do like a meatball on a pizza, um, as I yes have mentioned before. And mushrooms are nice, but yeah, classic margarita, man. Me, yeah, that that is what I need. But sometimes I am in the mood for deep dish, and when I am, it's a beautiful thing. 
oh, yeah, any well-made pizza, I'm just like, well, this is made of pizza. True. Even some not so well-made Oh, absolutely. <laughs> there's a time and place for oh, it. Oh, yeah, yeah. There's nothing that I get more excited about when I'm playing D&D specifically or, like, tabletop gaming, I mm-hmm. suppose, than, like, the smell of of. The, the heated cardboard yeah. of a pizza box. Yeah. Well, the first time we played together, we had pizza. Mm-hmm. And it was wonderful. Oh, yeah. Um, also, see our uh, delivery episode for for we have more details on delivery. And also, pretty pizza was pretty involved in the story of delivery. Sure. And especially our, modern delivery. Right. And then our, our pepperoni episode. And our frozen food episode. Pizza has touched a lot. <laughs> um. <laughs> we, we used to have a pizza fact. We did. All the pizza facts. Oh, well, this whole episode is pizza facts. Um, (laughs) But that about brings us to our question. Yes. Pizza. What is it? Well, um, I do not want to start any trouble here, so I'm going to be vaguely vague. Uh, A pizza is a flat, yeast-risen wheat flour dough that's topped with things— and then baked so that the toppings and the bread, like, incorporate a bit, and the bread gets nice and crusty. Those toppings are usually savory and often include, like, a melty, gooey cheese and a sauce made from tomatoes. It's often served as fresh and hot out of the oven as possible. They are often cut into slices, either squares or wedges, and the slices are often shared out among multiple eaters and consumed without using utensils. Yeah... If you're not from the United States, I'm not sure that I can explain to you how intense people get about regional variations on this common theme. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. I mean, it, it comes up in our politics, like how politicians <laughs> eat their pizza. Yeah. It is hoof. Hoof, indeed. <laughs> and there's a million types of pizza, and that's only a slight exaggeration, I'm pretty sure. Uh-huh. Um, some people will argue over what counts as pizza. Like dessert pizza, pizza bites, pizza bagels. But there are a lot of options out there in any case. There is, of course, Neapolitan, New York, Chicago, Detroit, Greek, California, and Sicilian, which is really just to name a few. Oh, yeah. You know, like like how thick is the crust? What's the ratio of a crispy to chewy in the crust? Do the toppings go all the way to the edge? Is your pizza round or rectangular? Do you use a knife and fork to eat it? Should the slices be foldable? Is it baked, freeform, or in a dish? What kind of oven is appropriate and what fuel may be used therein? Back to the toppings. Which of those are appropriate? And how much of them is appropriate? Is your tomato sauce raw when you bake the pizza? This sounds like a personality quiz. <laughs> like you're trying to get to the bottom of whether or not I'm a sociopath. <laughs> <laughs> so depending on your answers to those questions, some people would absolutely be like, that lady is a total sociopath. <laughs> oh, no. <laughs> yeah. Very intense, very intense. Mm -hmm. Um, Italian listeners, I am so curious. Like, do y'all argue about which regional traditions are are the best or even real pizza? Because we do that. We're like, oh, if it's a deep dish pizza, that's not a real pizza. Or, oh, if it's not a deep dish pizza, that's not a real pizza. Oh, yeah. (laughs) Yes. Um, And speaking of sociopaths, um, (laughs) I eat pizza crust first. And I have received a lot of grief for it. Strangers have come up to me. Strangers? Strangers. Not even the people sitting at your table. No. Whom you are there with on yep. purpose. Yep. Other humans. Other humans. To like... To like... Question what I am doing. What... Is it like in a in a in like a to make sure you're okay sort of way? <laughs> or is it... Or is it like a listen here, young lady. 
it's almost there's a sense of befuddlement. <laughs> like, whoa. <laughs> Excuse me, are you eating that crust first? Mm-hmm. And then it's like I'm in a zoo and they uh-huh. have questions like well, tell me more about that. When did you start doing this? Was there a traumatic experience in your childhood? What do you think about the crest? I mean, questions after questions, and I'm just, well, I'm happy to talk about is my it, pizza eating experience. Is it because you you like the center of the pie the best, and and so you're saving that for last? Yeah. Okay. Yeah, pretty much. I just feel like uh, this way I'm going to end on a cheesy, buttery Topping note. Oh, uh-huh. And the crust is usually good, but it's not, like, it's not my your favorite, favorite thing. Yeah. Yeah. I'll say I kind of like eating it last because it's sort of like the, the like, weird, like, dessert at the end oh, of the pizza. Oh, that's interesting. Yeah. I, I, I recently learned, researching for this episode, that um, sometimes a pizza, it's meant, the crust is meant to be a dessert. Like, oh. you dip it in honey. Oh, huh. Yeah. So... Maybe you're onto something. Oh. You know, people are different, and they eat their pizza in their own ways, and that's just that. And speaking of that's just that, nutrition. Oh, it it depends a lot. I mean, at your most basic here, you're talking about bread with some cheese on it and, like, a little bit of vegetable, which is not a health food. Unless you're talking about mental health, which counts, which it totally does. counts. It does. Um, it, yeah, it's, you know, I'd, I'd say— don't go overboard. Try not to. Try not to. All the time. All the time. Yeah. 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 Be, be be mindful. Mm-hmm. mm-hmm. Yeah. Man, this is oh, another pizza memory. I just, oh, I used to order pizza without cheese. What was I doing? Oh, dude, you were not living your best life. I was a kid. What kind of weirdo kid does that? <laughs> Sorry to anybody out there who's like, I have lactose intolerance. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> yes, that totally makes no, sense. No, that's valid. Yeah, yeah in that's that case. legit. Absolutely. That's legit. It's yeah. strange to me as someone who loves cheese now. I'll I was about say. to say, you're making up for it. So. Yeah. Oh, yes, I am. <laughs> um, numbers. Somewhere around 3 billion pizzas are sold each year in the United States. And that comes out to around 46 slices a person. The government sponsored, the U.S. government sponsored a study of Americans' pizza-eating habits, and they found that on any given day, 13% of Americans ages 2 and up will eat some pizza. Wow. 13%. What was the government looking into this for? (laughs) I think that they, like, realized that it's a very popular food, and they were like, how popular? And, Mm. like, what kind of nutritional density are people getting from this? Right. And, uh... Oh, that's true, because we do have it in a lot of our school lunches as a vegetable. We've talked about that before. Oh, yeah, Um, yeah. It's, uh, it it is, oh, goodness, I'm forgetting the um, specific compound in tomatoes that is sometimes like, oh, that's good for you. Lycopene? Um, Yes, thank you. Mm -hmm. Oh, right. Right, because of, uh, because of, like, 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 anthropy, because of werewolves. Oh, werewolves. Because of werewolves, obviously. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) It, um, it is people's primary source. Oh, dear. Oh, dear. I guess that's not surprising, but oh, dear. Well, on, on days that they eat pizza at any sure, rate. Sure, sure. Uh, yeah, and I guess the government has been really interested in, like we talked about in our MRE episode and in our um, sure. space food episode, people love pizza. How can we capture this mm-hmm. in those forms? Um, oh, and I, I read that globally a little bit over 5 billion pizzas are sold every year, though I, I couldn't back that number up, so I don't know. The largest pizza chain is Pizza Hut, with over 6,600 locations in the United States and over 4,000 internationally. 
I went to one in China, and it was a super fancy experience. I was not expecting that. Oh. I went in thinking, oh, I'll just get a pizza, pizza and go. Sure. Um, and don't get mad at me. I was in China for a long time. <laughs> um, it wasn't like I was, oh, Pizza Hut, I'll go there. No, this was I was there for a long time, and um, it was like a sit-down, fancy, white-claw oh. table experience. And oh, they wow. cut the pizza for me. It was a whole thing. Wow. Yeah. Huh. Yeah. Um, I'm I'm picturing, like, that scene in Demolition Man. Like, like all restaurants are Taco Bell. Like, so, like, I don't know. Like, very fancy. Anyway. (laughs) Um, When we're talking about delivery, Domino's is king. Also talking about chains still. Um, And they also lead the way on pizza delivery technology. There's the hotspot, which is where you just turn on your GPS wherever you are or within reason wherever you are. (laughs) And, um... They will show up and deliver the pizza there. And I saw someone use this recently, and it blew my mind. It blew my They were, it, to me, in the middle of a parking lot. Oh, yeah. And just, they just received a pizza. Yeah. Huh. Huh. Um, the pizza tracker, the pizza shoes, these shoes that can order pizza after you You run, run. however long <laughs> exactly. you're supposed to run for. Yep. Um, the, That's it. Order the pizza. <laughs> yeah, because I need to, yeah, immediately after my workout, I need a pizza. <laughs> uh, the pizza sex toy. Um, there's the, the corrugated pizza box and the hot bag. Domino's lays claim to both of those. Okay. Okay. Mm-hmm. Um, my brother used to order Papa John's so often in college that when he went a week or so without ordering it, they called him to make sure <laughs> everything was okay. I was in the car with him as he received this call and I was like, oh my goodness, who was that? He was like, Papa John's. <laughs> Is so bizarre and sweet. <laughs> it blew my mind. And completely amazing. I have never, you know, that's a relationship. It's true. I guess if you order, I, it sounds like he was ordering multiple times a week. Yeah, sure. They were like, hey, buddy. Is everything okay? <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. Um, as discussed in our pepperoni episode, this is by far the number one topping in the United States. 252 million pounds of pepperoni a year. Poor anchovies rank as least popular. Oh. Um, here in this country, anyway. Different countries have different favorites. Sure. Pickled ginger and minced mutton in India. Squid and a mayo bacon and potato combo in Japan. Green peas in Brazil. Coconut in Costa Rica. I had a shrimp... And some kind of sauce pizza in Japan. <laughs> uh-huh. And you and super producer Dylan spent a good five minutes recently making fun of one of my late night pizza delivery spots <laughs> and the behemoth of a menu it has. Has all kinds of toppings, like anything you can imagine. Oh yeah. It um I mean I pe- people like putting stuff on pizzas. Yes, this is true. And there were a number of combinations that I didn't understand. It's fair, but as I made my case, there's only four options available from the hours of 2 a.m. to 4 a.m. where I live. So that is one of them. No, no. It it wasn't judgment. Okay. It was mirth. Okay. I'll take that. I'll take that. Um, The record for most expensive pizza goes to the Pizza Royale 007, and it was made for a fundraiser and topped with gold, lobster, Caviar soaked in champagne. Okay. Smoked salmon and venison for 3,000 euros, which is around $4,430. There's also the luxury pizza in New York City, which I think we talked about in our Edible Gold episode, Mm -hmm. um, running you $125 a slice and $1,000 for the whole 12-inch pie. 
If you're curious about the toppings, cream fresh, lobster, and six types of caviar. Six. Six. All right. You know? And look, there are so <laughs> many pizza <laughs> records. There's no way we can go through all of them. Um, but there's the largest, which is a 122.7 feet or 37.4 meters um, pizza out of Johannesburg in 1990. And apparently that one wasn't eaten because there's a record for the largest made and eaten. Oh. It was made in Havana, Florida in 1987 and yielded 94,248 slices. And there's a record for longest pizza delivery, and it was from London to Melbourne, Australia. Oof. That's that's not a that's not that's not a delivery anymore. That's your pizza is cold at that point. Maybe this person likes cold pizza. Hey, that's a separate food. That's a separate food from hot pizza. We need a whole other whole other episode to discuss that. I am unprepared right. to talk about cold pizza today. You're right. <laughs> well, all right. Uh, pizza is ranked as the processed food most associated with symptoms of addiction-type eating behavior, according to the Yale Food Addiction Scale. Um, researchers say that in addition to Pizza's heavy doses of salt and carbs and fat, which are all things that make your brain pretty happy. Mm -hmm. Um, It's contrasting textures, contrasting colors, and uh, a combination of all the basic flavor groups in one dish are what really gets you. Yeah, yeah. And we talked about that a little bit in our pepperoni episode as well, that one of the reasons it was so readily adopted was that contrast of color. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The the white cheese and then the good red pepperoni. Right. Yeah. And also, yes, uh, now that I think about it. It is commonly associated with drunk food or high food. Mm -hmm. Yeah, Mm -hmm. which kind of goes into this next point. Pizza is (laughs) popular. And I mean, that probably goes without saying, but I would would recommend that you take two seconds and think of all the pizza in our pop culture and just what comes to mind first. Um, I think of the Pizza the Hut, Pizza Slut. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Uh And the Ninja Uh Turtles. Oh, yeah, Ninja Um, Turtles. I think that's mine. Yeah. Uh, Liz shot gunning that pizza on 30 (laughs) Rock. Um, The SpongeBob episode where he's trying to deliver the pizza and that song that got stuck in my head while doing this. Um, The Mary-Kate and Ashley song, (laughs) Gimme Pizza, which Super Producer Andrew and I had a long (laughs) pre-recording discussion about. Yeah, yeah. Um, There is a high version of that as well, Slow Down. Um, Yeah, now that's in my head, too. Uh, yeah, uh, one bite. Everybody knows the rules. That guy. <laughs> that That's guy. the one that I think of now. Yeah. So much, so many shirts, so yeah. much merchandise out there. Oh, yeah. Uh, one of my friends has a shirt that says, oh, I'm forgetting exactly what it is. Friend, write in. Uh, <laughs> I'll ask you later. I, I, I'm, it's something to the extent of like, of like, feelings are boring, pizza is awesome. But that's actually a shirt from... Uh, dinosaur comics that says feelings are boring. Kissing is awesome. I don't know. Anyway. So pizza is better than kissing. Well, pizza is better than feelings. Pizza is feelings. <laughs> <laughs> I feel like there's some kind of logic thing that just happened. Or there's maybe it was illogic. Ooh. Unlogic. <laughs> well. <laughs> well, indeed. <laughs> well, that brings us to some history, some pizza history. Mm-hmm. But first, it brings us to a quick break for a word from our sponsor. This episode is brought to you by Pronamel. Not all our favorite foods and drinks are BFFs with our teeth. Salad dressing, seltzers, and fruits can be enamel enemies. 
So if you eat or drink those things regularly, your enamel could be at risk. And once it's gone, it's gone. Pronamel Intensive Enamel Repair penetrates deep into the enamel surface, locking in vital minerals to repair acid-weakened enamel. And with new Pronamel Repair mouthwash, you can enhance that repair beyond just brushing. Pronamel is the number one dentist-recommended brand for acid erosion, so buy Pronamel Repair anywhere you buy toothpaste or mouthwash. Visit Pronamel.com. Ready? Let's go. Give me a vacation. Vacation! Give me a golf course. 70 courses! Let's get a water sport. Can I get excursions? We're watching. Time for chill vibes. Beach yoga. How about a garden tour? Apple Park. Give me a dolphin. What's that spell? San Diego! If you're happy and you know it, San Diego is the place to show it. Book your trip at san diego.org. Funded in part with the City of San Diego Tourism Marketing District Assessment Funds. Me. Focus Features presents Back to Black. I want people to hear my voice and just forget their troubles. Experience the music and her story. Know this. I ain't no spy girl. Like never before. That's my daughter. That's my Amy. On the big screen. I want to be remembered. For just being me. Amy Winehouse, Back to Black, directed by Sam Taylor Johnson. Rated R, under 17, not a minute without parent. Only in theaters May 17th. Today I'm going to give you some straightforward advice on how to deal with naughty kids. How about instead of timeouts, time ins? Time for you to start paying some bills. I'm JB Smoove, and that was a full episode of my new podcast, Straightforward. Inspired by guaranteed straightforward pricing from AT&T Fiber. Get what you want without the complicated. AT&T Fiber, live like a giggillionaire. Available wherever you get your podcast. Limited availability in select areas. Visit att.com slash hypergig for details. And we're back. Thank you, sponsor. Yes, thank you. Pizza history. Mm-hmm. Okay. Depending on how you define pizza. Sure. It can go way back, all the way to 1st century BCE, when early civilizations and what is now Europe would eat flatbread occasionally topped with things. <laughs> um, archaeologists found 3,000-year-old evidence on in Sicily of flattened bread and the tools used to flatten it. Similar items spread throughout Europe over the next couple of hundred years and beyond, with many evolving to suit the ingredients and taste of different regions. And many of those still exist today. They went on their own, like, pizza paths. <laughs> In these early versions, something approximating bread was baked on hot stones, then seasoned and used in the place of utensils to soak up broth and gravy. And I'm laughing because this reminds me of my traumatizing medieval times experience when I didn't realize that you were supposed to use the bread to get the soup. So I picked up the bowl of soup and tried to drink it because, you know, they don't give you any utensils sure. at medieval times. Uh-huh. And it was so hot oh. and it burnt and I spilt it everywhere. <sighs> I'm surprised at first traumatized, as you always sound when you bring this up, that you really want to go back to medieval times. Because I want you and Dylan and Andrew <laughs> to experience it. And plus, you'll learn from my mistake. You won't make the same thing. That's very mistake. true. That's very true. I love it. I love when they ask if you want Diet Coke. That's my favorite. <laughs> <laughs> um, well, uh, <laughs> similar flatbreads were, were developed pretty much all over the world. Right. One of the first recorded mentions of pizza comes to us from Darius the Great in the 500 B.C.-ish range who described his soldiers cooking flattened bread on their shields and topping this flattened bread with dates and cheese. 
By the 8th century BCE, uh, Greek colonies in what's now southern Italy were making a flatbread topped with uh, oil, garlic, onion, herbs, and um, small fish or, or minced meat, if you were fancy. Ooh. Mm-hmm. In 3rd century BCE, Cato the Elder wrote the first history of Rome, and in it he described, quote, flat round of dough dressed with olive oil, herbs, and honey baked on stones. Uh, Plato also mentioned cakes made of barley flour baked with cheese and olives, and it was around this general time that Greek bakers were spreading Egyptian bread-making techniques throughout the Mediterranean. Um, uh, leavened, kneaded dough cooked in these uh, roofed ovens rather than than uh, over open fire. Ah, uh, yes. Mm-hmm. Then we get this from Virgil's Aeneid. Beneath a shady tree, the hero spread his table on the turf with cakes of bread, and with his chiefs on forest fruits he fed. They sate and, not without the gods' command, their homely fare dispatched. The hungry band invade their trenchers next and soon devour to mend the scanty meal, their cakes of flour. Ascanius this observed and smiling said, See, we devour the plates on which we fed. (laughs) Oh. Yeah. Archaeologists found evidence of pizza in the remains of Pompeii, a street stands where vendors sold pizza, bakeries, and pizza-making tools. Mm-hmm. The word pizza first shows up in 997 CE in Italy. And that first mention um, was in a list of donations due to the Bishop of Naples um, from, from domain tenants. It, this, this list said that 12 pizzas should be delivered to him every Christmas and every Easter. Etymologists think it comes from an old Italian word for point, and later it evolved into an Italian word meaning to pluck or to pinch. Uh, or clamp. And yeah, that's that's one suggestion. Other theories, because there are a bunch of theories about this, <laughs> are that the um, the modern word pizza evolved from a root meaning cake or pie, um, the, the same root as the Greek pita. Mm-hmm. Sort of makes sense. Yeah. Uh, or that it evolved from this Proto-Germanic root for, for a bite or a morsel, which the word for which eventually became a bizo or piso. Oh. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, or from another Greek word meaning congealed or or from other Latin words meaning either like decorated or flattened. Lots of options. There are. Lots I, of possibilities. I think, I think it was just a whole zeitgeist. Mm. Of, of of words that led us to pizza. <laughs> I wish you listeners could see the gesture <laughs> Lauren is the, making. The triumph. <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> it's modern Italian for pie, which makes saying pizza pie quite funny to me personally. Pie pie. Pie pie. Yeah. I love pie pie. Sure, me too. Apicius's cookbook, that's fun to say, included several recipes for a pizza-like dish, putting toppings on bread. Um, many also came with the instruction, cool and snow and serve. Oh. Yeah. Oh, okay. Mm-hmm. When brick ovens were invented, flatbread was ideal because it was easier to, to get in there. Sure. Then we skip ahead just a little to the 16th century. And the tomato arrives in Europe. Now, if you listen to our tomato episode, you know that the tomato was not <laughs> super popular at first. Because of that, like, canthropy thing. Yeah, it might. it's either poisonous or it might turn you into a werewolf or both. Ooh, a dead werewolf? Oh, no. Oh, gosh. <laughs> yeah, that would be terrible. You turn into a werewolf and then die immediately. Um, but this was kind of a rich person thing. Poor people didn't have the option to discriminate, and also they didn't run into the same problem with their fancy silverware uh, oh, resting, Tarn- or not resting, I'm sorry, tarnishing. Right, with the acid yeah. and tomato. So the tomato was seen as this food for poor people. Another food on the scene at the time, 
mozzarella. It got its first known mention in an Italian recipe book in 1570. Oh. In the 18th century, Ferdinando IV tasked his chef at his summer palace with whipping up some pizza in his father's famous porcelain ovens. It was his wife's favorite. Huh. Chefs in Naples started to experiment with tomatoes on their pizza creations in the 16th century. And by the 18th century, pizza was a really popular food in Naples, especially in the poorer areas. Visiting tourists and sailors really enjoyed it, too. Um, So seeing a need to organize, the pizza vendors came together to form the first pizzeria in 1830. In 1889... A Naples pizza maker by the name of Raphael Esposito made Umberto I, King of Italy, and his wife, Queen Margherita di Savoia, um, both of whom were traveling and were tired of French food, which was kind of the, like, riche, the in thing to do for the sure. rich people at the time. Okay. Um, so he made them three pizzas, one with the colors of Italy, white mozzarella, green basil, and red tomato. And the queen liked this third one so much that she sent a letter of thanks to the creator. And after that, he named it the Margarita. It was a hit, and it spread throughout the country. And it endeared the queen to her subjects, too. Most royalty would not openly dine, not I mean, much less praise so-called peasant food. Oh, sure. Mm-hmm. And we need to talk about what was going on in Italy at the time for a second. Okay, because this isn't just like a charming story. No. That country was in a tumultuous process of becoming that country, Mm -hmm. um, unification. Naples had long been their own independent kingdom. The queen was traveling around the country trying to ease this process of unification. Um, And so perhaps it's no coincidence that she chose that pizza with the colors of the Italian flag. Uh. I mean, perhaps it was her favorite, but it could have also been, hey. Like political, like be like... Exactly. And perhaps it's no coincidence that the chef made it for her. Mm -hmm. Um, And her stamp of approval made people regard it as Italian, which was a big deal because Italy was new. Italian. What is Italian? Um, So, yeah, this was was a, a big moment in Italy's history and also in the history of pizza. And prior to unification... The rest of what is now Italy looked down upon Naples as a poor port area and often derided their food. Samuel Morse, who is the inventor of the telegraph, described pizza like this in 1831, quote, species of the most nauseating cake covered over with slices of pomodoro or tomatoes and sprinkled with little fish and black pepper and I know not what other ingredients. It altogether looks like a piece of bread that has been taken reeking out of the sewer. Oh, that is rude. Right? Come on. Huh. Yes. I share your personal affront at this. I am. Samuel (laughs) Morris, you, you had a couple good ideas, but you didn't know from pizza. Damn straight. <laughs> At the dawn of the 20th century, the economic situation in Italy was quite poor, and over 4 million Italians made the journey to the United States. As Italian immigrants came over to the U.S., they brought their cuisines with them, especially in cities like Philadelphia, Chicago, and New York. Lombardi's in New York City was the first pizza restaurant to open in the United States. And at the time, pizzas were frequently called tomato pies. Uh, yeah, and that was in 1905. A uh, Neapolitan immigrant by the name of Antonio Perro had started making pizzas for Lombardi's Grocery a couple years back, and they were so popular that they decided to open a whole shop. 
Yes. And from what I understand, it closed for a while, but is open again. Mm -hmm. Still can't go. At first, pizza vendors stuck largely to Italian neighborhoods, but it didn't take long before they, they branched out, selling to traffic on nearby streets. The word pizza, although spelled P-I-Z-Z-E, appeared in American newspapers as early as 1903. America's generally agreed on to be second pizzeria, <laughs> Joe's Tomato Pies, opened in Trenton, New Jersey in 1910, or some sources I, I saw in 1912. And for a long time, pizza was looked down upon here in the United States as dirty disgusting, an ethnic food for the poor. Um, just as Italians were discriminate, discriminated against, so was their food. And I remember, and I can't find it. I tried to find it, but there was this, I think it was the New York Times. Oh, I don't want to call out the New York Times if it wasn't you. It was a big publication. Okay. Um, and there was an article about, like, these gross foods. And oh. in it are all of our, like, still, fa- like, like, like now they're their favorite. Our favorite foods. Like, like, what are they doing with this lasagna? Yeah. How gross can you get? It was like spaghetti. Oh, no. Um, apple pie. A what? Pizza. <laughs> I think, like, it wasn't mac and cheese, but it was something approximating mac and cheese. Oh, and it's goodness. It's just strange now. Um, but yeah, pizza wasn't. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> People ra- weren't on board. At ra- racism is real serious. It really is. Um, what it turned the boat around is American soldiers returning from World War II, and they brought back with them a love of pizza. And this really catapulted pizza popularity outside of Italian communities um, in the United States. And another thing that helped uh, were Italian celebrities like Frank Sinatra singing pizza's praises. Literally. Yes. <laughs> uh, like Dean Martin with this lyric, and apologies in advance for the earworm, but... When the moon hits your eye like a big pizza pie, that's amore. Um, More and more pizzerias started opening across the country. In 1945, a returning soldier built the first gas-fired Baker's Pride pizza oven. Mm -hmm. And tourism helped, too. It was cheaper than ever for Americans and other folks to travel to Italy and try their food. And this encouraged restaurants to offer more Quote, Italian food, (laughs) which was mostly what soldiers had brought back with them to their home countries. That's what people envisioned Italian food to be who Mm -hmm. were visiting. And pizza was a big part of that. So in a weird way, American tourism helped solidify pizza as Italian, (laughs) and then they took it and Americanized it. Because that's how we do. Yeah. (laughs) It's a lot. It is. (laughs) (laughs) And let us dish. On the deep dish. Ah. Second, yes. Uh, This style of pizza, and I know some of you would disagree with the usage of pizza here, um, allegedly goes back to 1943. And one Ike Sewell, a Texan looking for a heartier option at his Chicago pizzeria to set it apart. I love that. I love that the heartier option. (laughs) This will do the trick. I had one of the most dramatic conversations of my life over deep dish pizza. Oh. What a comedy of errors that was. Like, if you've got to choose a food to have a dramatic conversation over, oh. don't choose deep dish pizza. There's going to be cheese dripping, oil everywhere, pizza sauce oozing, just like the tears and snot down your face. <laughs> it was not good. Do oh. not recommend. <laughs> Anyway. It seems like such a comforting food, though. That's why. I think I made that oh, mistake. Yeah. But this will help. Oh. Carbs and cheese. No. No. No, no, no. Okay. Duly noted. Thank you. 
You're welcome. Uh, Colorado's Rocky Mountain Pie also got going around this time with a wider crust meant to be dipped in honey. Oh, there you um, go. Yeah, to make a dessert. Huh. The first commercial pizza pie mix, oh, I did the pizza pie thing, huh? <laughs> debuted in 1948 in Massachusetts. Um, quote, Roman pizza mix, it was called. Frozen pizza made its way into grocery stores a decade later. And as we said in our frozen food episode, it's the most popular frozen food in this country. Oof. Yep. Hmm. Pillsbury went on to purchase one of the first folks selling frozen pizza, Totino's, in 1975 for $20 million. Huh. Mm-hmm. Wow. And at first, pizza was a very local thing. The mozzarella was made fresh or bought locally. The tomato sauce and dough made in-house. It was a popular option for workers on their lunch break or friends hanging out at bars. Um, pizza is easily shared unless you're super hungry. And I've been there. So oh, certain. Yeah. I, I had a friend in college who who was like, it's so convenient that pizzas are single serving. <laughs> I had a friend in college who we notoriously would order one pizza, eat it all, look at each other, and order another <laughs> one. <laughs> I don't know why we didn't just like. Just order two pizzas? Just accept what we were going to do. I think we always had this idea of maybe this time will be better. No. <laughs> no. <laughs> um, pizzerias were frequently 21 and up at the time, and they were a place for people to hang out that wasn't work or home, and I'm assuming by people they mean men here. Um, and then along come the chains, the pizza chains. The first Pizza Hut opened its doors in Wichita, Kansas in 1958. Little Caesars opened in Michigan in 1960. And then in 1961, Domino's delivered their first pizza also in Michigan. And these chains changed our pizzascape. Forever. Um, instead of local stuff, ingredients were made cheaply at a central location and then shipped to franchisees. A lot of the non-chain pizzerias couldn't compete and ended up closing their doors. And here is a Hawaiian pizza sidebar. This was the topic of a couple discussions while we were recently in Hawaii. It was indeed. Um, you may be shocked, but probably won't be to learn that this pizza, <laughs> topped with pineapple and Canadian bacon, did not come out of Hawaii. What? No. No, a Greek man who was living in Canada by the name of Sam Panopoulos claims to have invented it in 1962 when America was riding high on the tiki trend. Makes sense. Yes. Um, Carmela Vitale patented the package saver in 1985, and those are those little mini three-legged tables <laughs> that keep pizza boxes from collapsing, and you can see our delivery episode for more on that. Mm-hmm. And then there are so many Domino's legends. Oh, my goodness. Um, 30 minutes or less thing, that went away officially in 1993 due to again, officially, uh, road <laughs> conditions and weather. Um, the company settled several cases out of court. Um, Tom Monahan, the founder of Domino's Pizza, sold the chain in 1998 for $1 billion. His next project involved creating an all-Catholic town in Florida that bans abortions, birth control, and pornography. Um, huh. Yeah, nowhere I'm not retiring. Last <laughs> I read, it has 30,000 residents, including 5,000 students. All right, Domino's guy. Yeah, this was on Snopes. Huh. Anyway, well. <laughs> in 1995, Papa Murphy started the take-and-bake pizza trend where consumers buy freshly made but unbaked pizzas to cook at home. Okay. Also in 95, Pizza Hut debuted the stuffed crust pizza. According to the woman who developed it, uh, one Patty Scheibmeier, uh, she got the idea when this guy on a tasting panel reported that he, like, never eats the crust. He mm -hmm. always gives it to his dog. 
And then after that, it took three years of development and of convincing the brass that the public would be even vaguely interested. Oh, wow. They were like, <laughs> clearly no one is going to want this product. What are you talking about? More cheese. I know, right? What? Early experiments involved wrapping sticks of string cheese in dough, but both the cheese and the dough had to be reworked to get the, the textures and stability right. They rolled it out with a national ad campaign that cost them $45 million and featured Donald and Ivana Trump. Wow. Huh. Mm-hmm. Huh. But intrigue. What? Later, yes, stuffed crust pizza intrigue. Oh. Later in the 90s, a Brooklynite sued Pizza Hut for a billion bucks for patent infringement. He had a patented a stuffed crust pizza process in 1987. He wound up losing the suit because Pizza Hut used a different process to get the same outcome. My goodness. Yeah. Ooh. Uh-huh. On December 9th, 2009, the European Union named Naples Neapolitan Pizza part of Europe's culinary heritage Aww. and puts protection around it in place. Um, it stipulates that only San Marzano tomatoes and fresh buffalo mozzarella cheese be used. The True Neapolitan Pizza Association only recognizes two types of pizza as authentic, marinara and margarita. To meet these standards, the pie has to be round, no more than 13 and three quarters inches in <laughs> diameter, which made me laugh and laugh and laugh. It's a uh, very small pizza. <laughs> yeah. I mean, relatively. Yeah, well, yeah. Um, the center must be less than one-tenth of an inch tall, crust less than three-fourths of an inch thick, and completely hand-kneaded. And it has to use specific types of yeast, flour, salt, and tomatoes, thanks to HowStuffWorks for all of this info. Um, the official marinara pizza calls for extra virgin olive oil, tomato, garlic, and marinara. And it's named after the fisherman's wife who would cook the dish for her husband while he was out fishing. Oh. Marinara. Marinara. Mm. Hmm. 2010 marks when Major Chain started offering gluten-free pizza dough. And then on the other end, in 2015, we see things like the hot dog stuffed crust pizza. Yeah, y'all, Pizza Hut just keeps one-upping itself. Um, The ultimate stuffed crust includes pepperoni, sausage, bacon, and cheese. Um, The stuffed garlic knots pizza has like a row of garlic knots around the edge that you can pull off. Mm -hmm. In the Middle East and then Canada, they debuted crown crust pizzas. And these, if y'all have never seen one, it, it looks like the pizza is an amoeba that's sending off nubbins all around its edge. And... And each nubbin of crust contains a little bite of something, like a tiny burger patty topped with a tiny square of cheese for a cheeseburger crown crust pizza, or like a tiny chicken nugget. Um, I don't know. I don't really understand it. Um, I, I, I love the tenacity. I do, too. <laughs> um, there was a Doritos crunchy crust pizza in Australia and a cheesy Marmite stuffed crust pizza in New Zealand. That sounds like a lot. <laughs> I mean, all of these are a lot, but I feel like a little mermaid, that's the key, is you use a little. Oh, sure. Yeah. I'm not, I'm not sure how much is, in how much is involved. Crust. I, I I don't think it's as much as, like, there's, oh, like, like, I'm cheese. thinking, like, the string cheese. Yeah. Oh, my yeah. gosh. No. <laughs> oh. Um, yeah, so lots of pizza innovation abounds. <laughs> yes. Whether it was needed or not, yes. <laughs> it abounds. I suspect it will continue. <laughs> Um, But that about brings us to today. Uh, It does, and it brings us to some pizza science. Mm -hmm. But first, it brings us to one more quick break for a word from our sponsor. This episode is brought to you by Pronamel. Not all our favorite foods and drinks are BFFs with our teeth. Salad dressing, seltzers, and fruits can be enamel enemies. 
So if you eat or drink those things regularly, your enamel could be at risk. And once it's gone, it's gone. Pronamel Intensive Enamel Repair penetrates deep into the enamel surface, locking in vital minerals to repair acid-weakened enamel. And with new Pronamel Repair mouthwash, you can enhance that repair beyond just brushing. Pronamel is the number one dentist-recommended brand for acid erosion, so buy Pronamel Repair anywhere you buy toothpaste or mouthwash. Visit Pronamel.com. Let's hit it. Give me a vacation. Vacation. Give me a wave. Surfing. Give me a city tour. The trolley. Give me animals. The zoo. Give me some sea life. <laughs> Give me museums. Park. Give me a woo. If you're happy and you know it, San Diego is the place to show it. Book your family vacation at san diego.org. Funded in part with the City of San Diego Tourism Marketing District Assessment Funds. Me. Focus Features presents Back to Black. I want people to hear my voice and just forget their troubles. Experience the music and her story. Know this. I ain't no spy girl. Like never before. That's my daughter. That's my Amy. On the big screen. I want to be remembered for just being me. Amy Winehouse, Back to Black, directed by Sam Taylor Johnson. Rated R, under 17, not a minute without parent. Only in theaters May 17th. Today I'm going to give you some straightforward advice on how to deal with naughty kids. How about instead of timeouts, time ins? Time for you to start paying some bills. I'm J.B. Smoove, and that was a full episode of my new podcast, Straightforward. Inspired by guaranteed straightforward pricing from AT&T Fiber. Get what you want without the complicated. AT&T Fiber, live like a giggillionaire. Available wherever you get your podcast. Limited availability in select areas. Visit at slash hypergig for details. And we're back. Thank you, sponsor. Yes, thank you. So... There is a lot of science that goes into making whatever kind of pizza it is that you are going for. Mm-hmm. No judgment. Um, because the crust is probably just flour, water, oil, salt, yeast, and sugar. Um, the, the ratio of all of those things matters a whole lot. Um, in, in a thinner crust situation, a, a little bit more oil gives you a more tender bite, Ooh. by the way. Mm. Yeah. Um, and then you've got to work with that yeast. Uh, pizza is a leavened bread, so you're looking at proofing the dough, letting the yeast eat sugars and excrete carbon dioxide and flavor for some period of time. Uh, longer times give the final product more lift and stronger flavor. Uh, very long times may let lactic acid bacteria get in on the flavor game, too, if you're into that sort of thing. Yeast food. Yeah. Um, and the ways that you bring the dough together and shape it out matter a lot, too. Um, mixing and kneading doughs will, will prompt chains and even sheets of, of gluten, stretchy, springy gluten to form as the proteins in the flour interact with, uh, with the water that you've added. Uh, some pizzas are made to be spongy, some tender, some chewy, some crispy, some flaky, or some combination of the above. Oh, yeah. (laughs) And because people like pizza and it's fun, there is a decent amount of published scientific research about pizza. That does not surprise me. Yeah. Um, Coworker Ramsey, he has this habit of leaving random. We have one of those peel-a-day onion calendars. Oh, yeah, yeah. He leaves random entries by my desk. The first (laughs) one he left by my desk was um, drunk nutritionist uh, recommend eating frozen pizza at 3 (laughs) a.m. So I believe it. I believe it. Oh, yeah. That's solid. 
Yeah. <laughs> uh, other good studies. Yes. <laughs> Real studies, perhaps. <laughs> well, maybe not a study, but but uh, an equation. One mathematician by the name of Eugenia Chang uh, created an equation describing the perfect amount of toppings to put on a pizza based on the thickness of the dough. Love it. Mm-hmm. Mm. And in 2018, um, a pair of physicists published a paper titled The Physics of Baking a Good Pizza, wherein, this is going to be contentious for some of y'all, I'm sorry, uh, a good pizza was defined as a classic margarita made in a wood-fired brick oven in Rome. Like, to do this research, they consulted a pizzaiolo. Wow. Which I love. Yes. Um, okay, so what, <laughs> they, they broke this down using all of these thermodynamics equations. Of and, course. Okay, so what's what's going on in this in this type of pizza oven is that um it, it's designed to get really hot, about 625 degrees Fahrenheit, which is like 330 Celsius. And they're they're designed to um to radiate that heat evenly through the air inside. If you've never seen one of these things and you probably have, it's sort of like a it's shaped sort of like a like a turtle. Um mm-hmm. and uh and 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 the head portion of the turtle is is sometimes a separate chamber, but sometimes just a corner of the oven uh, where the the fire is actually burning. And then um, the the flat floor and the domed ceiling. I'm trying to I'm, <laughs> I'm visually gesticulating around the microphone. It's very silly. I don't know why I'm doing this. <laughs> so you're helping me. Okay. Well, that's that's, <laughs> that's what really counts, I guess. Oh, thank you. Oh, you're welcome. <laughs> Um, so the, uh, then the yeah, so, so you've got flat brick uh, on on the floor of the oven and this domed ceiling, and uh, yeah, yeah, the the domed ceiling uh, absorbs that heat from the fire and slowly transfers it to the air, which transfers it in turn to the pizza. Um, the brick flooring, meanwhile, transfers heat to the crust directly. A good pizza in these conditions is only cooked for two minutes. The crust is so thin that that's all it needs. Um, if the toppings need a little extra bit past that, uh, that's when the pizza maker will, will slide their spade in and lift the pizza up for maybe another 30 seconds. Um, uh, that's to give the crust a break from the direct heat of the flooring. Um, the top of the pizza receiving indirect heat will get up to about 212 Fahrenheit, 100 Celsius, and stay there. Um, that's the temperature at which water boils. Um, and so what's happening here is that water content from the cheese and the sauce is going to be steaming out and kind of controlling the temperature mm-hmm. right above the pizza. Um, but the bottom of the pizza with that direct heat will heat all the way to about um, 392 Fahrenheit or 200 Celsius as, as it cooks. So... <laughs> the researchers figured all of this out and, again using thermodynamics, determined that in a home electric oven, you can replicate these conditions by baking your pizza for 170 seconds at 450 Fahrenheit, a.k.a. 230 Celsius, adding a little bit of extra time if your toppings have high water content because as that water boils off, uh, the, the air in the oven will cool um, yeah, necessitating a few extra seconds. Oh, man. Can't wait to try this. That- <laughs> <laughs> More recommendations. Um, my very favorite food science writer, J. Kenji Lopez-Alt, recommends um, preheating a pan or preferably a, a slab of baking steel or of uh, baking ceramic to 430 degrees Fahrenheit. That's, um, that's 220 Celsius. Uh-huh. And then baking your pizza on it under the broiler for like a minute or two. Like 90 to 120 seconds. Okay. Um, He also recommends 
resting your dough in the fridge for a full three to five days to let the flavor and texture of the dough develop, um, with a bonus of it also being more workable at that point because those glutens will be really well formed. Oh. (laughs) (laughs) Three to five days. I know. I have to plan for this. Yeah. I've only tried to make pizza once, and it turned out okay. Yeah? Yeah. Oh, I've never made it from scratch. It's the dough that, yeah, I mean, maybe that's obvious. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I'm pretty intimidated by yeast doughs. Even, like, I like I grew up making yeast bread with my grandmother, but mm-hmm. but I, I never, I, she just did it so confidently. You know, like, she didn't really measure anything. She just kind of, like, threw all the ingredients together, and, like, she just had, she knew by feel yeah. and by, like, like vague sense of, like, oh, I've hung up this many shirts on the on the line, right. so <laughs> it's time to go, like, knock the bread down again. Oh, I love that kind of stuff. I'm yeah. very envious of it. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Well, it, you know, she made it like at least once a week for years and years, and and I, I, I think it had like I think her teaching me that way had sort of the opposite of the intended effect. <laughs> like I was I like, like I was like, this is impossible. <laughs> I don't understand. <laughs> I feel um, like there's a Disney movie there. <laughs> Aw. Of like you know you got to learn your own way. You do. Yeah. Aww, yeah someone yeah. called Pixar. <laughs> So cute. Yes. <laughs> this is, um, it, we uh, recently were at um, Atlanta Food and Wine, and the second day we were there, I don't think you were there, it was just me, and it really cracked me up because there was, I mean, uh, 70 plus options of things uh-huh. to eat, to try, and the longest line was for a pizza that was making it in this way. Like, you could see them with the... the yeah, they had a portable oven. Yeah. Yeah. And it cracked me up because it was the longest line, and everybody in the line at some point would be like, it's just pizza. I mean, we can get pizza. And then the other person, whoever they said that to, would remain silent. <laughs> I heard it many times, and we all waited it out. Oh, to wow. Get to that pizza. <laughs> oh, gosh. And then it's gone. It's like a little bite, and it's gone in like wow. a second. Uh, but oh, yeah, that's yeah. beautiful. It was, you know. Yeah, we love our pizza. We do, we do. You know, all all y'all from other places, like write in, like let us know. Like I can't, I kind of can't imagine. It's such an ingrained part of American culture at this point. Yeah, um, that I I get confused when I hear about places that don't have yeah. a whole lot of like cheap available pizza. Yeah. Yeah, like um or even really good pizza. Like I remember um growing up <laughs> I don't know how many people remember accelerated reading, but it was like this point-based system. Oh yeah. Uh-huh. And at the end of the year, you were rewarded with a pizza party if you're number 1 and I always want to get that pizza party. Oh sure. But like that's the level of <laughs> it's just it was a prize in my from kindergarten on. Oh yeah, yeah, and uh, my the public libraries would, and I and maybe still do. Like Pizza Hut would would team up yeah. with them, and during summer reading programs, um, give you like a coupon for a free pizza if you read a certain number of books. Yeah, exa- yeah, we had that too. Oh. It's just a huge part, and we would love to hear from other listeners, um, not in the United States or even in the United States, like. If you have a specific, yeah, a very specific type of pizza or toppings that go on it. Mm-hmm. Or just a memory or just some weird... Yeah, I mean, we won't say no to any kind of pizza-related <laughs> email or oh, message. Gosh, never, never. <laughs> um, but that about brings us to the end of this episode and to... Mm-hmm. 
See, we could have gotten Super Producer Andrew to just slow it down and been like oh. the Mary Kate Ashley thing. But, you know, we're trying to spare him <laughs> some, some shave off some seconds of his work day. <laughs> okay. So this first one is pretty long, <laughs> but I like all of it. So let's just see how this goes. Okay. Samuel wrote, It's amazing to me that the cookie monster actually had a cavity to swallow the cookies with because, from what I can remember, they usually didn't make it into his mouth, (laughs) but ended up falling down his front and onto the floor. But anyway, just like with the words crisp, chips, and fries, the British once again are here to cause confusion and distress (laughs) to those across the pond by creating confusing, arbitrary definitions for things. As you pointed out, the word cookie is by no means simply equivalent for biscuit because we use both words. But while for us all cookies are biscuits, not all biscuits are cookies. (laughs) Annoyingly, there also seem to be no hard and fast (laughs) rules for what is and what isn't a cookie. It's more just like something you feel in your soul. (laughs) Since I don't have a laptop, though, I've come into the office at work just to write this email. So I'll be damned if I don't share my very strong opinions about cookies. In the U.K., what we think of as cookies tend to be softer than biscuits and usually contain chocolate chips, small chunks of caramel or nuts, but aren't necessarily covered in chocolate. So something like a Viscount, a Wagon Wheel, or a Tim Tam. No idea if you have these in the U.S., but it's easy to Google and see what I mean. We do know what those are, and we have done a Tim Tam slam on social media. Um, (laughs) Yes. Uh, are all not cookies, although arguably the last two are actually chocolate bars, not even biscuits. (laughs) Another crucial distinction between cookies and biscuits is that cookies tend to be made with a looser dough, which then spreads in the oven and then hardens when it's cooled. Other biscuits, though, start out with a fairly solid but still pliable dough, which then goes firm in the oven. When you Google cookie, most of what comes up are actually cookies, but using the rules of thumb, shortbread, gingerbread, biscotti, Viennese, whirls, hobnobs, chocolate bourbons, Jaffa cakes, don't start the debate about whether (laughs) these are cakes. We don't have time. All of these not cookies. All caps, by the way. Of course, especially if we're not in Britain, I'm not going to correct anybody on what they like to say. (laughs) Um... You just gave me this platform, and I took advantage to spread my agenda. I've only recently managed to do cookies properly, even though I can do other kinds of biscuits like shortbread, twee, and so on. I mean, what came out of the oven was at least recognizable as a cookie. It just didn't have the right amount of bite to it. Too soft, basically cake. Here's what I learned from my mistakes. (laughs) A lot of my success is purely down to leaving the dough overnight, just like Annie says, although I heard it from Jack first. I did too, so fair. Make sure you've already divided the dough up first because otherwise it can be tricky to get even distribution across the baking tray. Also, they can come out of the fridge and go straight into the oven. If you have limited time, say if, for example, you're on Bake Off and Paul Hollywood is staring at your workstation and you have only 45 minutes left, breathe. Put them in the freezer for 20, then (laughs) bake for whatever time you need and leave them to cool. You won't get exactly the same texture as in the fridge overnight, but your cookies will be more uniform than just throwing them in the oven like a monster. (laughs) Treat yourself. Patience is a virtue. If I've said it once, I've said it a thousand times. Brown your butter. It's so true. Use unsalted butter. If you're making a cookie with very delicate flavors like white chocolate and raspberry, don't brown more than half of your butter. If the recipe doesn't say to brown butter, you will end up with less brown butter than the recipe calls for because the water in the butter will evaporate. So use 25% more to compensate. Pour the melted butter into 50-50 brown and white sugar. 
I can't talk about the flour because flour <laughs> is really different here. If using eggs, I would only use one whole egg. I would then add only the yolk of the second egg. This is because the egg white is mostly liquid, and a very wet cookie dough will produce a hard cookie, which I'm not into. <laughs> There's this company in the U.K. called Maryland Cookies. Weirdly, nothing to do with mid-Atlantic states, and their cookies are hard as rocks, and God, please don't buy them. But I digress. After chilling the dough, using this combination is going to make a really lovely texture, which walks the tightrope between having a bite and a snap to it, but also chewy. I don't know. I think it's magic. I'm sure someone will disagree with me on anything I've said, but I just had to weigh in and give my two cents. Thank you. Yes. (laughs) Especially for going into work to type all that up. That is beautiful. So many cookie thoughts. Yeah. You've See, given us a lot to think about. Yeah, yeah. It's no, it's this level of opinion that I personally appreciate the yes. most. Like, yes. like come, like come on. <laughs> I love the uh, like. There are methods here. Let us follow them. Yeah. <laughs> I love the. Uh, it's something you feel in your soul. Oh yeah, I w- yeah. When you were saying that, I was like, oh, I have a lot of feelings about cookies in my soul. That is where they all reside. <laughs> it's true. It's true. <laughs> Uh, Rob wrote, When you were talking about the reception MREs received from troops in the field, I wanted to give you an anecdote involving the Canadian version, the Individual Meal Pack, or IMP. For a number of years in the 1990s and early 2000s, I was an instructor with the Royal Canadian Air Cadets, and one of the courses I taught was Winter Air Crew Survival. The exercise involved taking a group of senior cadets into the mountains in January from 4 p.m. Friday to 4 p.m. Sunday. Each cadet had minimal gear and a single supper IMP to last them 48 hours. Each cadet had their own preferences for that meal, but year after year, the cabbage roll meal was universally hated. So when it came time to distribute the imps, as I'm just going to say from now on, I had to obscure the meal name on the outer packaging. Cadets would often forego the cabbage roll and go without an entree for the entire weekend— Of course, since the cadets are between 12 and 18, they came up with a nickname for the cabbage roll imp, the alien fetus. It made me chuckle to myself, but of course, military decorum had to prevail. I hope you enjoyed the story. (laughs) Perhaps it's time for the cabbage roll to uh, get on out of there. I don't know. (laughs) Yeah, if you can get a a kid to, to not eat... For two 40, days yeah. instead of instead of taking the cabbage roll, then yeah, that's an intense. Mm-hmm. Around that time, oh man, I was I was eating like twice as much as my dad was when I was that age. I ate so much. Oh yeah, I did too. Yeah. Blows my mind looking back. Sure. <laughs> Bones are hard to grow, man. Takes a lot of work. It's true. But it's true. Gosh, cabbage rolls. I know I've heard of such things. I don't think I've ever had one. I've had. I don't know if I've had the traditional type, but I've certainly made a a roll with cabbage as the outer like layer. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Hmm. <laughs> Thoughts for a future episode, perhaps. Anyway, yes. Yes. Anyway, thanks to both of them for writing in. If you would like to write to us, you can. We would love to hear from you. Our email is hello at saverpod.com. We're also on social media. You can find us on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram at saverpod. We do hope to hear from you. Saver is a production of iHeartRadio and Stuff Media. For more podcasts from iHeartRadio, you can visit the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you listen to your favorite shows. Thanks, as always, to our super producers, Andrew, Howard, and Dylan Fagan. Thanks to you for listening, and we hope that lots more good things are coming your way.
This episode is brought to you by Pronamel. Not all our favorite foods and drinks are BFFs with our teeth. Salad dressing, seltzers, and fruits can be enamel enemies. So if you eat or drink those things regularly, your enamel could be at risk. And once it's gone, it's gone. Pronamel Intensive Enamel Repair penetrates deep into the enamel surface, locking in vital minerals to repair acid-weakened enamel. And with new Pronamel Repair mouthwash, you can enhance that repair beyond just brushing. Pronamel is the number one dentist-recommended brand for acid erosion, so buy Pronamel Repair anywhere you buy toothpaste or mouthwash. Visit Pronamel.com. Ready? Okay. Give me a beach. Beach! Give me great food. Tacos! Give me adventure. Hiking! Give me a date night. Sunset cruise! Give me some smiles. Cheese! Give me more beaches. Beaches! What's that spell? San Diego! If you're happy and you know it, San Diego is the place to show it. Book your trip at san diego.org. Funded in part with the City of San Diego Tourism Marketing District Assessment Funds. Xfinity has free premium networks for everyone this month, no matter what kind of entertainment you love. Addicted to true crime? Catch killer cases and more spine-tingling shows on A&E Crime Central. Crave adventure? Explore Asian action movies on Hayah. Searching for something extreme? Check out skating, snowboarding, and more on Fuel TV Plus, the global home of action sports. And find crowd-pleasing bops on iHeartRadio's Hit Nation playlist. There's new free shows and movies to love every week. Say free this week in your Xfinity voice remote. Are you still searching for your perfect place to call home? Well, now is the time to buy at Fisher Homes. If you're looking to move in before the end of 2024, May could be your last opportunity to start building your dream home and close before the year's end. If you're hoping to move in even sooner, Fisher Homes also has homes that are move-in ready and waiting for you, where you can start enjoying the benefits of homeownership even faster. Schedule your personal tour with a new home advisor today at fisherhomes.com and make this spring the season you find your perfect home sweet home.